it up here. Okay, no, no. Am I on? Sometimes I think I should have been born in the 18th century because, like, I know I kind of have a voice that projects. And I would someday like to preach, like, just with no mic, just let it out, you know, and uh, it'd be kind of fun. But anyway, we'll try this again as we uh, get started here this morning. I invite you to pull out your connection card from your program and... uh, and uh, please fill that out if you have a prayer request or a praise report or like to request information. Feel free to leave that on the back of the uh, card. And you can simply leave that on the pew as you uh, leave today. And the ushers will come around and pick that up. If you are a guest here with us this morning, this would, uh, if you leave us in content, t- contact information, it would be a great way for us to uh, welcome you to the church this, uh, this week couple announcements. First of all, keep in mind that we have a very short congregational meeting after church today. Uh, we'll just start that real, real soon after the service ends, and it's just an update on, wh- on where the pastor search committee is at in the process of, um, in, in that process of looking for another pastor. And so it will just be an update, and then we'll dismiss. We're still having lunch together and these things. So uh, keep that in mind. And uh, a couple other announcements, uh, one that didn't make it into the program, but I want to let you know, we are, uh, this week we have, there is a choir practice, Thursday, 7.30 here in the sanctuary, uh, and Tina let me know to, to invite anyone new that would like to join the choir. New members are welcome to come and to join the choir as they begin to uh, practice for Thanksgiving service. Uh, tonight, or this afternoon, I should say, the gathering, college young adult meeting, 1.30, men's retreat this upcoming weekend starts at, on Friday, so I would assume that today you need to let Norm know. Are you still uh, taking registration, uh, Norm? Uh, did, is, I know, Norm was here. He was in the worship team, so he has to be here somewhere, uh, but uh, I think you can still sign up today. It's in the program. Um, and uh, I'll just let you look at the uh, rest of the announcements on your own time, and uh, there's a few other things that are mentioned here. As we get started this morning, I want to introduce our sermon topic today, which is that we're going to be talking about having spiritual friendships and and the importance of these in terms of our own walk with the Lord, our own uh, faith relationship with God. And so when we talk about spiritual friendships, we're talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ. And uh, I'll have to admit, uh, even as I prepare messages, there are certain uh, sermons and certain Bible passages that speak to me more personally than others. And as I have prepared this 
uh, message today. I know that this hits home like even in what God is doing in my own life. And, uh, and these are things that I, hopefully some of that will come across as we look at the text today. But these are things that I believe that God is speaking to, even to me about, just the value, the importance of having spiritual friends. So before we read our passage today, which is Psalm 133, let me give you a definition of how we might look at uh, what it means to be a spiritual friend. A spiritual friend is a person who intentionally encourages you in your walk with Christ, prays for you, and supports you in good times and bad, and for whom you do the same. So this is a person in your life that really seeks to intentionally encourage you in your faith, who prays for you, who supports you, no matter what you are going through, and then that you seek to do the same for that person. I think Psalm 133 is really a beautiful picture of just how spiritual friendship can look in our own lives. So let's look at this passage together. It is uh, in our series on the Songs of Ascent, these songs that the Israelites sang as they were making their way to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. Psalm 133 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded his blessing, life evermore. Let's pray. Father God, as we uh, look at this passage today, I pray that you would speak to us and just help us to not only understand it, but to apply it to our lives. And I pray that you would impress this word, first of, first of all, upon my own heart, and that it would flow to all of us, that we would receive from you what you would have for us. And God, I just want to stop and, and thank you in advance just for the blessing of this word and the blessing of what it communicates, that we have brothers and sisters who seek to build us up in our faith. And I pray that, we would, uh, that our hearts would be motivated to thank you for that today and to seek those kind of relationships. And so I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. David opens this psalm uh, by saying how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in unity. I love that verse. It's a beautiful verse. How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in unity. Just as I was preparing to preach this morning, I looked up the word that's uh, translated here uh, for, for unity. And it means more in the Hebrew, the original language in which this was written. It means more than just not having arguments or getting along. But it really communicates the idea of encouragement and support and love. The definition that my Hebrew dictionary gives for this word is to have a heart for one another. Now that really communicates a lot. So what David is saying is how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters have a heart for one another and live in such a way that they are seeking the spiritual good of one another. The message, which is a paraphrase of the Bible, translates this uh, verse in this way. How wonderful and beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. How wonderful, how beautiful it is 
when we live in this way. One of the purest uh, ways that I have ever feel like I have experienced this verse was when as a young person I began to work at a Christian camp. And I worked at Hidden Acres Christian Camp for five summers starting after my junior year of high school. And, uh, and it was a great experience. In fact, I went scavenging for old pictures and I came up with this one. Uh, this is, has to be from about 1997 and I am second from the left. Where we got all these, old, these orange swimming trunks and who the kid is wearing the green pair, I, that's actually my friend Rob Bunch. Uh, but th- these, are, these are the swimming trunks. We, weren't, we, we didn't have to wear these things. For some reason, we all got the same swimming trunks, just as goofballs, I guess. But uh, I developed some really good friendships. We, we swam, and, and this was the lake. I mean, this is no prestigious vacation spot. I mean, you can see weeds growing up. It was a dammed-up creek, a muddy lake. But we had what we call on it the blob. The blob was this big air pillow. And the purpose of it was you'd have one person sitting on the end, like this girl that's crawling out. And then the, other, then the other person, or if you're really brave, you get like four people like this. You all jump on it at the same time, and this person shoots flying out into the water. And uh, we had all kinds of fun. My favorite time at Hidden Acres every week was when uh, we went canoeing. I loved canoeing. And we'd go down these, these little rivers and we'd, uh, uh, along, and we'd stop at different lakes and stuff. And uh, I'd always warn kids, don't stand up in front of the canoe. But inevitably, some kid would do this. And I'm in the back, and I'd shake it a little bit. And sure enough, he'd go falling in. And I said, I warned you so. But uh, th- that, that, was, that was inevitable. We'd get somebody in the water in that way. And so I had the greatest time at Hidden Acres. I loved Hidden Acres. One of my favorite seasons of life, just these experiences. But the main reason is not just the fun that I had, what, what, but, but it was the relationships that I developed. Here for the first time in my life, I was really challenged to grow in my faith. And I was taught to study the Bible and to pray. But more than anything, it was the Christian friendships that I developed. And it seems so natural. I don't think anyone ever taught us to do this. But when we would travel from one activity to the next, we'd just ask each other, Hey, how are you doing spiritually? And we'd just even pray as we're walking on these uh, wooded trails. We'd pray for one another. And it, was this, and it was this organic, natural, beautiful uh, friendship that caused me to really begin to grow in my faith. And so when I entered into pastoral ministry, I thought, if anything I want to do, I want to develop the kind of relationships that I had at Hidden Acres. And so when I began pastoral ministry, I would really, I, I thought, hey, I'm just going to be really vulnerable and honest with people right away. And I'll be honest, there, uh, there was several times that I feel like I got taken advantage of and I got burnt. I, w- I maybe wasn't as careful as I should have been, but for whatever reason, I got hurt. And I remember uh, telling Chelsea, I said, maybe it's possible for everybody else, but for me as a pastor, I can't have friendships in the church. I just, I can't do it. And so I developed a philosophy of life and of ministry. It's Jesus and me. And I'm not going to worry about just, you know, all of these other things. I'll be friendly, but I'm not going to really be friends. I'm not going to go 
deepen my relationship with others. And I, think it t- and I think it has taken a long time, but just even in the last couple years, I feel like God has began to work a healing in my heart and help me to open up the, uh, in, in many ways because of the friendships that I've experienced here at this church. Like the, un- the times where people have loved me unconditionally, when even when I have been going through difficult times, the times where I know people are praying for me, not just because I'm the, one of the pastors, but because they genuinely desire my good. And so all of these things have been kind of stirring up in my heart. And it kind of came to a head a couple weeks ago. Amy, Pastor Rick's wife, came and led us in a um, devotional for the college young adult group. And she taught us from God's word. And then she had, Amy's really good at this kind of stuff. She had us break out to do it like an art project that would help us to spend time with the Lord. And she gave us questions to think about. And so you could paint a picture or you could smash a plate and make like a mosaic. Or you could take a piece of clay and and form it into something that would represent the types of things that God was teaching you. And so I chose to do the clay, and I don't know what it was, but as I was like molding that clay in my fingers, my mind began to think back on my Hidden Acres days. Because oftentimes when we would take hikes, I'd find clay along the riverbanks, and I'd sto- scoop it up and take it back and make things. And so as I was forming this clay, uh, and this is the picture, I know it's not the, but it, it illustrates what was taking place in my heart. I began to think, I remember all of those campfires we used to have at Hidden Acres. Every Friday night, all of us as counselors would gather around as a campfire and just recommit our lives to the Lord. I began to think, man, I really miss that. And I began to think, you know what? Actually, God's blessed me with a lot of friendships even here. And so as I'm forming this fire, and I know it's not a, beautiful piece of art. I would have brought it, but it's already fallen apart. Um, So a picture will do. But so many of these little flames represent people even in this room. People that God has blessed me with to be spiritual friends, so to speak. And so as I said, some messages resonate with even my own heart more than others. And this is one that flows and uh, from what God is doing in my own heart right now. And so this morning, I want to talk about what it means to be a spiritual friend. A person that you uh, support one another and encourage them in their faith. That you pray for one another. Because just as I was convinced at one time in my life that I could not have this, I feel like more than ever now I am convinced the importance of this. And this speaks for all of us. I believe that if we are to go deep in our relationship with Christ, and to fully uh, experience all of the blessings that we have that God would, ta- would have for us in our, in our relationship with him, then we need brothers and sisters in Christ. We need spiritual friends. And so David starts this psalm by saying, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. I want to take this idea of brothers and sisters and talk about what it means to be, with, uh, to be in a spiritual family. Three observations that we might say about being in a spiritual family. Number one, 
being with a spiritual family is designed by God. We are designed to live this way. We are not designed just to be on our own or by ourselves. God has designed us to be in relationship with one another. And not just acquaintances, but to have relationships in which there is depth that we support one another and we love one another. It has been this way since the creation of the world. The the biblical account says that, in the, the creation account in Genesis says that God said it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And so he made Eve, right, as a companion, as a person to come alongside of him and for them to share life together, for uh, them to uh, support one another. And as we look at the Bible, as we look at the biblical record, we see not only Adam and Eve, but then we see, I think, of Moses and, and Aaron, of David and Jonathan, of Paul and Timothy, and even the Lord Jesus himself. What is the first thing that Jesus does when he starts his earthly ministry? He goes and he calls people to come and to live with him and to minister uh, to him and with him. And, uh, and, and they develop relationship of, of support and trust. And so it is, not just that Dave, it is not just that Jesus said, hey, let's get together at 9 in the morning and we'll be done with all this stuff by 4, 4.30 at the latest, and then you can go your own way. No, they came together to live in support and encouragement with one another. It was a spiritual family. And so as Jesus says in Luke chapter 8, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. This is who God, this is who Jesus himself considered to be his spiritual family. And so if it was important for Jesus, then surely it's, it's important for us as well. And so when we think about spiritual friends, I think of a few different types. First of all, we might say that we are to have a set of best friends. These are people that we go deep in our relationship with the Lord with. And so we think about those that we really have a support with, that we get together and encourage. A second group that we might consider is a small group Bible study. Now, the small group Bible study might not have the same type of depth that uh, a set of best friends would have, but there is still a level of support. And it's so valuable because oftentimes in a small group Bible study, it's not always people that are just like you. You have people that are older, people that are younger, people that are brand new Christians, people that are seekers, people that have been Christian for decades. And so this type of community is so helpful. A third type of spiritual friend that I thought of might be like what I would call a spiritual mentor or director. Someone who has been down the road a little ways and can give us wisdom and guidance on how to live the Christian life. I think that that is so valuable. And lastly, and I know this is obviously not for everyone, but I thought about, what about your spouse? Not everyone is married, I know, and not everyone is married to a Christian. But for those of us who have been blessed by God to have a Christian husband or wife, hopefully that is a spiritual friend as well. And so these are types of spiritual friends that we think about. It is God's will that we live in this type of Christian community. That, it, that spiritual family is designed by God. 
The second point we might say about spiritual family is that we, that being with spiritual family is difficult. Even though we're designed this way, it is not easy. It's not easy oftentimes because this flies in the face of the way our, our culture and society is today. In our world today, the, the, the culture around us, it really promotes that we would be individuals. And that we would seek to pursue like just having an isolated life as much as we can. Get your own house with as big a backyard as you can. And, uh, and seek to just kind of keep to yourself. Sebastian Younger, who is a New York Times bestselling author, has explored and written about how these values of individualism and isolationism have affected us as Americans. And so he writes in his book, Tribe, A person living in a modern city or suburb can, for the first time in history, go an entire day or an entire life mostly encountering complete strangers. They can be surrounded by others and yet feel deeply, dangerously alone. The evidence that this is hard on us is overwhelming. As affluence and urbanization rise in society, rates of depression and suicide tend to go up rather than down. Rather than buffering people from clinical depression, increased wealth in a society seems to foster it. And so uh, Younger is saying here, there, there is a problem. His conclusion, there are many costs to modern society, starting with its toll on the global ecosystem and working its one's way down to its toll on the human psyche. But the most dangerous may be community. You see, uh, what Younger is saying is there is real danger when we do not have community. Now, Sebastian Younger is not a Christian, but I think we can quickly resonate that what he has to say here gives us some context to realize how intentional we need to be when it comes to uh, pursuing family and to pursuing uh, friendships, because it does not come naturally. And yet, it is so valuable when we think of our own uh, walk with Christ. And so in the early church, we see an example of how they began to meet together regularly. For example, in Acts chapter 2, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's a biblical passage that gives us a picture of what this community looked like for the early church. They were constantly, uh, regularly meeting together and supporting one another in their lives. And yet we know that even for the early church, this was difficult. Before the New Testament was written, the preacher who preached the sermon recorded in the, in the book of Hebrews says, uh, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So if this was the, already the pattern, the tendency within the early church before the New Testament had, uh, canon had been closed then surely this is a challenge for us today as well. Do not give up meeting together. 
as some are in the habit of doing. And not just on Sunday morning, but, in the, but when we think of spiritual friendships, we're talking about getting together and encouraging one another in our Christian walks. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. This is God's design for our lives, and this is difficult. But the third point I want to present to us this morning is that being with spiritual family is desirable. It's worth pursuing. David, I think, wrote the Psalm 131 from his own personal experience. When he says, it is good and pleasant when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, I have a feeling that his relationship with Jonathan was in the back of his mind. The two of them became friends uh, uh, in early in David's life, as recorded in 1 Samuel 18. Here's the start of their friendship. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David and loved him as himself. That's the exact same uh, concept that is being communicated uh, by David when he says that brothers and sisters are to dwell together in unity, that we are to love each other as ourselves and being one in spirit. And so David and Jonathan lived this relationship of love throughout their entire lives. And it's recorded throughout 1 Samuel. And then we get to the beginning of 2 Samuel. And David cries out in anguish because his friend Jonathan has died. Oh, Jonathan, in your death I am stricken. I am desolate for you, Jonathan, my brother. Can you sense the emotion there? Jonathan, my brother. Not a biological brother, but a brother who uh, sought his good. Uh, we might even say, as we talk about this, this sermon this morning, a spiritual brother. Very, near, very dear to me were you. Your love to me more uh, wonderful than the love of a woman. David and Jonathan had this deep relationship of support. And it is a challenge for us today. D- David says it is worth pursuing. It is desirable to have. And so to uh, help us to understand how desirable it is to paint this picture, David in, in Psalm 33 gives us two analogies. The first is found in verse 2. It is like precious oil running on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. And so a little background information helps us to understand this analogy. David was the first high priest of Israel. And Exodus 29.7 says that when he was anointed as high priest, there was oil that was poured over his head. It was a common practice in Old Testament times or in biblical times that they would pour oil over someone at an anointing ceremony because the oil symbolized the Holy Spirit. And so what they were saying is, may you lead by the Spirit of God within you. And the type of things that uh, Aaron led in were, as high priest, he taught the people, he counseled the people, he prayed for the Israelites, he offered sacrifices on their behalf. In general, he led the Israelites in their spiritual affairs. And so I think the parallel for us as Christians is... is, is, uh, is, uh, is applicable here that we as Christians when we become believers we've been given the Holy Spirit as well and we are to do the same type of types of things that Aaron did to teach one another 
to encourage one another, to pray for one another. And so we might paraphrase this verse, spiritual friendships is like the precious love of God poured out into our lives, spreading out to the lives of those around us. A second analogy that David gives is verse 3. He says, it is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountain on the mountains of Zion. Mount Hermon is more than a Christian camp that some of you have gone to. Some of you know what I mean. Mount Hermon is a camp that a lot of uh, you have attended. But Mount Hermon was originally uh, a mountain in the Lebanon uh, mountain range just north of Israel. And if any of you have uh, ever hiked or camped in high mountain ranges, you know that, it can, that the dew can be very thick that will fall on you during the night. Two times have I gone hiking in high elevation, and, uh, and the tent will just be soaked with water in the morning. One of the first times I ever went camping, I thought, wow, look at these stars. I'm going to sleep outside tonight under the stars. And I had to wake up in the middle of the night because I was just soaked, move inside my tent. But uh, you know that how uh, much precipitation can come down just when the dew in these high elevations. And I can imagine the Israelites as they're traveling through these mountains on the way to Jerusalem. They see all of this, uh, this water around them. And coming from very dry, arid land, they think, wow, this water is so refreshing and renewing. And that is the picture that applies to spiritual friendship as well. Spiritual friendships renew and refresh our relationship with Christ so we don't become dry spiritually, so that we might be able to press on. This kind of companionship encourages us in our walk with the Lord. This presence, uh, this experience of the presence of Christ with others in our lives is, helps us to experience Jesus himself in our lives. And so David himself closes Psalm 133, verse 3 in this way. For there the Lord has commanded his blessing, life evermore. Or as some translations will say, eternal life. What I think David is saying is this is really a picture of what heaven will be like. Heaven will be when we gather with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And it will be uh, to gather with our brothers and sisters in the Lord in the presence of Christ. Because right now, in this day and age, we experience this at least in part when our brothers and sisters come together with us and are, in a sense, Christ to us. You see, this is where it is so valuable for us in our own Christian walks when we, exp- when we are going through difficult times, or when we are even growing dry spiritually and we might not even realize it, we experience in tangible ways the presence of Jesus to us through our spiritual friendships, through our brother and sister. And so that is why it is so important for us to engage in these kind of relationships because we will not experience the depth of our relationship with Jesus in the same way, if we do not have a depth of relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so finally, in summary, a spiritual friend is someone who encourages you in your walk with Christ, prays for you, and, su- and supports you through good times and bad, and for whom you, and for whom you do the same. 
There are different types of spiritual friendships. Maybe a set of best friends. Surely a set of best friends. Maybe a small group Bible study. Spiritual mentor or director. Maybe your spouse. And so now I want to close by just thinking about what are some applications, some how-to. Developing a spiritual friendship requires, first of all, humility. To be able to say to someone, I need you to help me in my relationship with God. Recently, I've had that conversation with people. I just feel like people that I'm, I, I trust, that I'm close to, I just, with humility and vulnerability, it starts with us taking initiative and saying, you know what, I need someone. Would you be willing to help me in my relationship with Christ? And then I think it requires a simple question. And the question is, how are you doing spiritually? That's really what we're, that's really what we're asking. How are you doing spiritually? And then to maybe ask follow-up questions, maybe to just listen. But I found that that question goes a long ways. It requires prayer. God, I pray for my brother or sister. And we go before, we, go, we pray with them. We pray when we think of them. And then lastly, it requires consistency. Hey, let's get together and talk and, and pray again. These are the things that it requires. I recently saw somebody's uh, t-shirt, and so I said, can I get a picture of this? The the t-shirt says, never hike alone in bear country. Always hike with someone you can trip and outrun. And I thought that was was pretty good. If If there are certain areas that at the trailhead, there will be a sign that says, avoid hiking alone, especially in areas that have a lot of bears. Avoid hiking alone. And so when we, go, when we think about the Songs of Ascent, we think of these Israelites traveling, hiking through these areas, and they're going to Jerusalem to worship. And as they sing this song, I think they're reminding each other of how valuable their brothers and sisters are in Christ. And you and I are on a spiritual journey. I think there ought to be a sign on our hearts to avoid hiking alone. Because when we do... That is, when we are in the, that is when we are in a position to grow dry spiritually or to have a shallowness to our depth of relationship of, with Christ. And so I want to encourage us this morning to have humility and vulnerability and to seek out those who might be able to uh, support us and those to whom we might be able to do the same. Let's pray. Father God, as we have looked at this uh, passage together, God, it is a beautiful psalm to think about the beauty of how brothers and sisters together in our relationship with you can encourage our our, uh, spiritual walk. And God, I thank you for those in this room that have been this kind of, uh, that have been this kind of friend to me. And I pray for our church that you would help each of us to come alongside of one another, to not let anyone walk alone, but to build one another up and to strengthen them so that we might pursue you with all of our hearts. God, those, uh, those that we know who may be struggling right now, I pray that as spiritual friends we might reach out to them to know that it is not your will for us just to see them go off in their own direction, but that it is your will for us to encourage them and to pray for them and to build them up in their walk with you. 
So God, I pray that you would help, it, help us and strengthen us in this regard. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.